Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the book of Isaiah, the 65th chapter, beginning at the 14th verse. I will be reading the Evangelical Heritage Version. Watch. My servants will shout because of the joy in their heart, but you will cry out because of the pain in your heart. And because of a broken spirit, you will wail. You will leave your name for my chosen ones to use as a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death. But he will call his servants by another name, so that anyone on earth who blesses himself will bless himself by the God of Amen. And anyone on the earth who swears will swear by the God of Amen. For the past troubles will be forgotten. Yes, they are certainly hidden from my eyes. Watch this. I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. They will not come to mind. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Jesus explained the division that would come at the end of the world with the illustration of a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats. And he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well, at the same time, he also will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. King David saw the same division that he records at the end of the first psalm, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And through the prophet Isaiah now, he describes the same division. And the point is in that amen, often translated as truth, Or in our catechism, we say, yes, yes, it shall be so. That God gives us a sure and certain promise. And that promise is in this amen. You are delivered from evil. We might notice the harsh words that are used to speak to those who, in Jesus' illustration, would have been the goats. And there are two reasons for that. First of all, that those harsh words are, are a call to repentance. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he started with that call, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. His reason for doing this, for preaching, or, or for doing anything in his earthly life, was as he said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Who is it, after all, who needs salvation? It's those who are facing condemnation. And that's who are described here. You will leave your name for my chosen ones to use as a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death. There's an old 18th century Bible storybook filled with illustrations called Figure de la Bible. And there's one image in particular in there that shows the people of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. The lightning and fire is very visible on top of that mountain and the people are cowering in fear at the base of the mountain. They're crying out, they're covering their ears, they're weeping, they're showing 
really extreme terror and distress. And that is exactly what the law does to people. In God's law, we see ourselves reflected and we see the ugliness of our own souls because of our sin and the punishment that God must bring because of that sin. And so because of that law, we find ourselves in need of a new identity rather than one that is cursed. And our God promises that he will call his servants by another name. This is something that God gives to us. St. Paul describes this repentance that God would give to the Ephesians. As far as your former way of life is concerned, you were taught to take off the old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be renewed continually in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, which has been created to be like God in righteousness and true holiness. See, that new self, that new identity that God gives to us is created. And it's created by God in exactly the same way that God has created all things. It's created by his powerful word. It's when he calls you by this new name that you are recreated. He calls you, in fact, by his name. God's powerful word says it this way. Indeed, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. And that there is the essence of repentance, that God makes us like Jesus. By means of that powerful word, God gives us the name and the righteousness of the word made flesh. And by means of baptism, he causes us to die with that word made flesh, die with Jesus, and then rise to the resurrection life of Jesus. And by means of the Lord's Supper, that word made flesh is fed to us, his very body and blood as the medicine of immortality. God's own son's immortal life and inheritance are given to you. So in that word of warning, that call to repentance, God also promises to give us what we can't make for ourselves. In that illustration of the people at the foot of Mount Sinai, there's a small detail that you might not notice on first glance, but looking closer you can see it, that off in the distance, on the side of the mountain, you can see the tiny shape of Moses climbing up. And by his position, he's hunched over as if under a heavy burden. And by the shadows that surround him, it really reminds us of another figure that climbed a mountain to go straight into the heart of God's fiery wrath and law. Jesus did that for you to take all our guilt onto himself, bearing the cross and bearing our sin, bearing God's law and God's wrath. Jesus told his disciples to prepare them for what was to come as he was headed towards Jerusalem and he knew that his disciples were going to see that teacher that they loved betrayed and killed and those disciples themselves were going to scatter. He prepared them by saying, Amen, Amen, I tell you, you will weep and wail 
but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. That's all the first purpose for these harsh words in this message from Isaiah. It calls us to repentance so that we see our sin and we see also how Jesus paid for that sin. The second purpose of these harsh words is that promise to deliver us from evil. And we pray for that as the last petition in the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's the really comforting thing about that prayer our Lord has taught us. In that prayer, we pray for nothing except what God has already promised to give us. And yes, he has promised to deliver us from evil. And that started at the beginning. When Eve was tempted by the lies of the serpent and Adam went right along with it, God's first curse was against the serpent, against Satan, saying, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. The evil that had taken our first parents captive, the whole human race captive, including us, all the way down to the end of the world, that evil was going to be defeated by the seed of the woman, by a promised Messiah. And so we see here what was spoken as a curse to the serpent was also spoken as a blessing for you. God is doing the same thing here through Isaiah. He speaks a curse to the evil in order to provide a blessing to his people. The emphasis here is on that divorce, that divide between the righteous and the wicked. Now, that, those terms aren't speaking about any innate quality in human beings as though any one of us has innate in us that particular vice or virtue of wickedness or uh, righteousness. But instead, this is speaking about the righteousness that is given by God even into our wickedness. Because that's our native identity along with the whole world. It's an identity of wickedness. But by that powerful word, which again, God spoke to create the world. The word which Jesus spoke to give life to dead Lazarus four days in the tomb. By that word, he calls you by a new name. So you're given a new and baptismal identity. God wants to make his people separate from evil in every way, every capacity. Because sin has no place in God's presence. But God wants you in his presence. And so he cleanses you through his word from all your sin. In baptism, by that word, we're given the name of the word made flesh, Jesus Christ's name. That's why we're called Christians. We're covered with his identity and name. And it's a name that looks ahead to the end of all things. The end of all things, that is, except a select few things. For instance, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And likewise, the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and Forever, And so that also means that we who are joined to Jesus by faith through that word will also live forever through that end of all things, just as Jesus has promised. 
And so it's with our eyes fixed on eternity, looking at heaven, looking at the last day and the resurrection from the dead, with the new heavens and the new earth that come with God's glory for you and me. It's looking ahead at all of that that we bless ourselves. Blessing ourselves, we might think of making the sign of the cross, which is itself a remembrance of baptism, or even just prayer in general, by which we ask God for anything. That's blessing for ourselves or others. And every blessing that we ask for from God, for ourselves or for others, is based on the past redemption, the victory that Jesus has already won. And therefore, it looks forward to the final culmination of that victory and those promises. But what about the evil that we feel now or the pain and the agony that we go through even now? Jesus also used the illustration of a field full of weeds. When the servants found weeds growing in their master's field, they asked him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? He said to them, an enemy did this. So the servants asked him, do you want us to go and gather up the weeds? No, he answered. Because when you gather up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, first gather up the weeds, bind them in bundles and burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn." So right now, you and I might need to wait for that final deliverance from all evil, but even now we know that it is accomplished. Whatever suffering that we have now, whatever difficulty, we know the comfort that we have already now and the comfort that is still coming. We're so ready. We're so eager for that time when all of these unpleasant things will not be remembered. They will not come to mind. We yearn for that day when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So right now we have the blessing of God awaiting that day. Blessing that we have for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Please rise. O God of Amen, all that you say is true, and you have said that you would bless us and deliver us from all troubles. We thank you for the great joy you give us in your Son. We are weak and sinful and still so worldly-minded. Make us look to eternity, the eternal life won for us by Jesus. In his name, amen.
The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to everlasting life. Amen.